Tonight, we're discussing Ranking of Kings. What the hell is this show and why is it so amazing? Bel Air, the good, the bad, and the not so ugly. And finally, we'll be inviting a guest on to discuss BIPOC representation in video games, VTubing, and the modern media. This is Did Y'all See That? Everybody, welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to Did Y'all See That? I am your host, Ngozi Mai, the Jingu VTuber. Thank you all for tuning in. And I, <laughs> we're already here with the uh, the technical difficulties. Hilarious. Okay. Anyway, back to that. Let's redo that. Welcome to Did Y'all See That? I am your host, Ngozi Mai, the Jingu VTuber. And welcome, and thank you for tuning in. We've got a lot to get through tonight, but first, the rundown. Now, the show is split up into two one-hour segments, Pop Your Culture, where we'll discuss various pop culture from the last month, and Talk Gozy to Me, where we'll invite a special guest onto the show for an interview, as well as a hot-button discussion topic. Now, feel free to comment away throughout the whole show. I just got to tell you, I can't promise I'm going to be reading chat too closely. I will try to glance over when I can, but I've got an an actual set of content that I'm trying to get through tonight for you guys. So just bear with me. Um, But yeah, there will be spoilers. There will be spoilers in this show during the pop your culture segment. So if you see this come up, I am probably talking about something you could get spoiled on. So I recommend muting the chat by muting the stream by default um, and kind of probing the chat to see what we're talking about. And if it's something that you care about getting spoiled, if if it's not, if it's something that you don't care about getting spoiled, feel free to unmute. But just in case, just keep it on mute. Um, When it goes away, boop, then you're safe. Then you can unmute the chat or unmute the stream. Uh, by the end of the show, we're going to go over some questions that you can all submit. So there is a command, Q&A, exclamation point Q&A, to get you the link. If you guys have questions that you want us to talk about at the end of the show, feel free to send them. That's already live. You can you can actually even start sending questions right now if you want. I will be vetting the questions, so no funny version of <laughs> um, But yeah, with that all out of the way, let's get started with our first part of the show, Pop Your Culture. All you bubs pop your culture like this. Tell me about it, goes you work that shit. All you bubs pop your culture like this. Tell me about it, goes you work that shit. All right, this first part of the show is is where we're just going to talk about pop culture. So the first segment we're going to go into is in case you missed it. So in this section, I will go over kind of a spark notes of the notable pop culture from the past month that I saw. Feel free to chat in the in the, in the comment in the chat. Um, like I said, I will try to glance over there when I can, but it's it's honestly I'm kind of just going through content here. So let's go ahead and get started. Starting with Love Is Blind. Now, Love Is Blind is a show, a dating reality show where people have to date each other without ever laying eyes on each other. And this is season two. I saw season one of this, and I really, really loved it. Season two ended, and here are the spark notes. Nick is like a total high school girl with all of his gossiping. He's like a total bitch. Danielle, serial gaslighter. Shake is just the fucking worst. Shane and Natalie, sad ending, but definitely for the best. Mal, on some fuck girl shit. Sal, adorable and must be protected at all costs. And Shane and his family gave me major MAGA vibes. I was very worried about Kyle the entire interaction they had. 
How I Met Your Father. Now, this is a solid contender for our Who Asked for This segment, but honestly, I'm not I'm not too mad at it. I think it's actually pretty funny and pretty charming. I think the dialogue is a little bit cringy because um, they're trying to be very 2022 with it. Um, but it's got like really good nostalgic fallbacks. If you like the original How I Met Your Mother, I think you'll actually really like the show. So um, I only only caveat really is that all of the characters seem really charming and all. But I, I think they're too hot, if that makes sense. I feel like the original um cast was they're all attractive too but i feel like they were all weirdos in their own respect where i feel like all of these guys are too just too cool um but i mean honestly the novel the 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 nostalgia is there and if you like the original series you should like this too the Boys Diabolical, very violent, very ridiculous, and very on brand. If you guys have watched The Boys the show, uh, you'll or even even read the the comic, you'll you'll know how fucking weird like gory it is. It's like insane, like over the top kind of levels of gory. And this show is no different. This is an anthology series um, that is totally animated by different animators. Kind of think think back to the Star Wars visions that came out last year. It's kind of just like that, except it's the boys themed. Um, this, yeah, I only got through the first two episodes. I'm gonna I gotta pick this guy up again, but uh, it was really good. The second episode is created by Justin Roiland, and if you're a fan of his work, like Rick and Morty, uh, you will know you will notice his his stank on that episode pretty fucking quickly. So I think it's a jolly good time. Super blo- bloody and gory as fuck but still recommend it. Euphoria. The season two of Euphoria ended with multiple bangs. I'm sorry, I had to. Lexi's play had a weirdly Broadway-level-ass budget for some reason, and I don't know why she was so surprised that her friends and her sister were going to be pissed at her for making a play that was directly about their lives. I don't know. Honestly, the show is pretty good, but, I mean, you know, you kind of had it coming, like, Lexi. We all fell in love with Fexi, which is Fesco and Lexi, only to have our hearts immediately broken. He is almost certainly going to prison forever uh, for murder. <laughs> Rue hit rock ass bottom this season. Holy shit. That is the lowest we have seen her and we've seen her pretty fucking low but it seems like hopefully things are looking up for her. We shall see in season three. And rip ashtray. Ashtray. I said ashtray. Rip ashtray. The real ride or die. Human Resources is a spinoff of the show Big Mouth, and it is equally vulgar and equally gross, but somehow not as bad of viewing experiences. I don't know about you guys, but I I enjoy Big Mouth's humor, but it makes me uncomfortable watching it because it's centered around children. They show like nudity and stuff of kids, and that really bothers me. Um, But it's unfortunate because the whole premise of like showing like a raw very explicit view of puberty. I actually really liked because I'm like, you know what? We all went through that. So it's a shame that I can't connect with Big Mouth in that way. However, if you do like Big Mouth, they made a new spinoff named Human Resources that is following all of the creatures and monsters, like the hormone monsters and the shame wizard and the love bug, all of them. And it's pretty rad. It's got the same voice actors um, and even more characters. I only saw the first episode, but I'm kind of sold. This looks pretty good. So... If you like Big Mouth, you'll probably like this. Is It Cake, a new ne- a new Netflix show that is totally based around a meme. I shit you not. This is a, a, a meme spawned a whole ass show where uh, it's a baking competition where all of the bakers are making cakes that look like shit that are not cakes. So... Um, most people, I don't know, a lot of people are really bothered by this, but I actually totally dig this. Like, if you guys took a look at my Instagram, my personal IRL Instagram, most of it is, like, non-food things that look like food, or no, sorry, non-food non, non 
oh, sorry, food things that look like non-food. So this shit is right up my alley. The sad part about it is that it's super fucking cringy. It is not a good show. And I'm really sad about that. The host is maximum cringe. And I, and you know what, to the point, I, I was thinking that it was a writing thing, but like, he's so fucking cringy that I'm pretty sure the writers pretty much just told him, Hey, just be as cringy as you possibly can. We're not going to give you a script or anything. Just like fucking make people uncomfortable. I'm pretty sure that's what they fucking did. So I can't recommend watching the show because it's objectively terrible, but you know, the bakers are really fucking talented. Like you say, crow, they're very fucking talented. Reacher. Ooh, man, this, did this start off strong and such a disappointing outcome from it. So Reacher is a total reboot from the film series, not even the film series. It's actually a book series that was created into a film starring Tom Cruise, which people hated, but I liked it personally. I thought the, I thought the movies were great, but people mostly didn't like Tom Cruise because he's like a five foot four short dude that's portraying a character that's supposed to be like six foot three and like fucking yoked and like I, I get it. I get why people didn't like him. Um, so they rebooted it as an Amazon original. And he's basically a huge ass dude that kicks ass and is super smart. And that's like his whole thing. And you know what? It, it was cool at first. Like he would, she would show like really cool, like visceral fights at the beginning. And, and it kind of got old and that, that really sucks. Pretty much it was these, it's, it's these redneck people that are like disrespecting Reacher. He kicks their ass continue and they did that over and over and over again to the point where it got extremely old and eventually when the novelty wore off you kind of realized how boring the plot was and i got mostly through this season i i only didn't watch the last two episodes and it kind of i just totally fell off because i'm just like dude they're just like recycling the same shit and it wasn't even that good so i can't recommend this show um i hope if they do a season two they maybe get a better fucking plot because quite frankly the novelty wore off pretty quickly and that is the conclusion of In Case You Missed It. Now let's go ahead and move on to our second uh, segment called Gozy Stands. Ta-da! In this segment, I will talk about something that I watched this month that I fucking loved. And this month, that is Ranking of Kings. Oh my fucking God, do I love this show. And I'm going to go ahead and throw on my spoiler alert. There's about to be some fucking spoilers. Now, what I'm about to spoil are the two main characters, I guess, overall stories, but I'm actually not even going to get into the plot of the show. So even if you've never seen the show and if you listen to what I'm about to tell you, you could still watch the show and you'll fucking love it as much as I did. I'm going to tell you that now. Um, so what the fuck is this show? What is this show? It is set in a fantasy world full of kingdoms where every king has a rank depending on how strong they are. We open on the kingdom, kingdom of Bossy, whose king is a giant, and he's ranked seventh. I know, right? Like, isn't that crazy? Like, we, we open on, I, you would think that we would open on the number one king. We, we literally, like, don't see the number one king like most of the series. It's kind of insane. Anyway, his firstborn son and heir, his name is Boji, and Boji is deaf and he cannot speak. And he's made fun of by the whole kingdom subjects. Like, and honestly, even members of the court, like they like talk about him behind his back, like talking about, oh man, it's a shame, man. He's like so weak and he's so weak and he's deaf and he, he can't talk and all that stuff. It's really fucked up. And even his, his half brother seemingly kind of hates him because he's the heir and the half brother isn't. Um, Boji is completely selfless. He is a total empath. He will put himself before anyone. He only wants to make other people happy. He is the ultimate fucking cinnamon roll, guys. That's just the tip of it. One day, while playing, Boji came, aco- came across a thief named Kage. Now, when I was practi- when I was rehearsing this, guys, I actually started crying while, while talking about this. So let's see if this happens again. God damn it. Kage, or Kage, Kage is... 
the most one of okay there's a lot of tragic characters in this show but kage's story is so unbearably fucking sad and it's and i think it hit me the most because it was in the second episode that we learned about his story wait we learn about his entire backstory in the second episode and at that point i was fucking hooked on this show so Kage is a member of what's called the Shadow Clan. They're um, kind of, they're still human, but they look like this. You see how he looks? He's like a, a blo- kind of a blob of darkness. Um, basically, the Shadow Clan are all masters of stealth. They can maneuver in the shadows seamlessly, um, which is why they're mostly hired on as uh, spies and assassins. And as a result, they have a really bad stigma stigma against them. Like people will see a shadow clan person, even if they're just minding their own goddamn business, they'll just see a a shadow clan person and they'll be like, Oh no, that fucking person. Oh, they're, they're untrustworthy. (laughs) Uh, Which I I suppose there is the show's take on, on discrimination, which, which is interesting. I didn't really like lean into that too much, but um, basically that's kind of the, the premise of the shadow clan. We close in on Kage and his mother. Kage at this point in the story is like a child, like, and I'm talking a young child, like four or five years old. He and his mother are running for their lives because some, some kingdom decided that the shadow clan doesn't deserve to exist anymore. So they went and exterminated every single person that is a shadow clan member. So at this point, their whole clan has been murdered. They've all, they've all been genocided and Kage and his mother are running for their lives. They're um, from, from these soldiers. The first break part, heartbreaking part of it is that they're no, they, Kage's mother knows that they're not going to get away. So she tells Kage, Kage, you need to keep running. You need to run as long as you can and as far as you can. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to fight them off. And she stays back. And it was, it was like a really heartfelt exchange with Kage having to leave his mom. <laughs> and he had his little stuffed animal with him because he's a fucking kid. Um, and his mom fought her ass off. She took some of them nights out with her. She was one hell of one hell of a skilled fighter, but she was, she was eventually killed and Kage watched his mother get, get cut down. And the only reason why Kage survived is because he came across a passing caravan of a different king and the the king's granddaughter. And the granddaughter took Kage and hit him. That's the only reason why he survived. After that moment, Kage is like a five-year-old alone in the world, scared and doesn't know where to go. So he's wandering and starving and, and, and just trying to find just shelter and somewhere to live. He comes across a town. And in that town, because of the stigma, like I told you, the, he, there's like a stigma against the Shadow Clan members. Um, everybody treats him like fucking shit. Even though he's a kid, he's a child that has a little stuffed animal with him. And he's like trying to like go beg for food and stuff and, and beg for shelter and no one will give him anything. Eventually he realizes he needs money to survive. So he sell, he sells his, his stuffed animal for some money so that he can find some, so he can buy some food and somebody robs him. Somebody robbed him and took the money, you know? So he's sitting here on the street. He's, he's sitting here on the street, a five-year-old, just beg, like begging for scraps. And one day, um, a asshole thief man comes across him and realizes he's a member of the Shadow Clan. So he's probably really good at stealing things. I can use that. So he takes him in. He takes Kage in and is not nice to Kage. He's not, he's treating Kage as a fucking slave, making Kage do all the work, do all the chores, making Kage steal for him and getting rich off of it. Um, and here's the thing, Kage 
can only see this person with gratitude because this person is the only one out of all of this time he spent by himself. This this guy is the only person to give him shelter and food, even though it's not good food. It's scraps, too. But he gave him shelter and food. So Kage starts to, like, kind of see this man as like a father figure, which is really fucked up. Um, and there's a there's a really heartwarming scene heartbreaking scene where the guy is sleeping in a bed and he makes Kage sleep on the floor and Kage goes up to the guy. His hand is, is, is hanging off the bed and Kage holds his hand and falls asleep holding his hand. And Oh my God. Okay. Don't cry. Don't cry. Gozi. Oh my God. It's, it's just so fucking heartbreaking. Um, so after a long time, it seems like a lot of time has passed, like maybe like two or three years because Kage is like becoming, coming a little bit more grown here. Um, and the guy sells Kage out. The guy, um, reports to the kingdom that, Hey, I have a shadow clan member and the kingdom comes to try to kill, kill Kage. Kage gets away, but he's heartbroken to see that the, the man like is, has like a bag of money because he sold him out. Sometime later, Kage is still on, he's on the street again. He's begging, but he's, he's got a little bit more skills now since that guy kind of taught him how to steal. Kage can actually like kind of survive on his own by stealing money and stealing, stealing valuables to get food. So. One day, Kage comes across like a commotion. This is all in one episode, by the way. This is all in one fucking episode. It's the second episode. It's crazy. All this shit happens. Kage comes across a bar. There's a commotion in a bar. He goes inside. For some, th- for, for some reason, he went inside. I think he looked in the window and saw that the guy was there. He's like, oh, my God, he's there. I need to go talk to him. He goes inside, and he sees that the guy is fighting someone, and the guy gets stabbed. And it's a mortal wound. He falls to the floor. Kage's hiding in the shadows as he falls to the floor. And and when he realizes that guy is about to die, Kage runs out of the shadows. Even though he's fucking, Kage is running for his life here. He's, you know, he's, he's fucking like people are trying to kill him, but he sees the guy. He runs out and he's trying to like come, he's trying to hold on to the guy like, no, the guy is in his last moments of life here. And he sees Kage. And then this is the first part of the show where you realize the kind of storytelling that they do here. The kind of storytelling that they do in the show is that they kind of present just about every single character that's not Boji or Kage as a villain until they don't. Because every single character in the show has a moment where you see their humanity, and this is that, guys. You see a flashback for this guy where he is you know, like cleaning with Kage and cooking Kage dinner and like kind of like being a dad to him. And then when we go, we go back to that scene where that guy is asleep on the bed and Kage is holding his hand. That guy woke up and saw Kage holding his hand and he held his hand back. And it reveals that that guy actually, even though he treated Kage like shit, he actually loved Kage. And, and it's so fucking tragic. And then that guy dies with Kage right there holding on to him. It was so fucking tragic. Um, Fast forward some more time, Kage is going to the kingdom of Basi to try to swindle Bo- Boji. He, realize, he realizes Boji's like kind of a, a chump, I guess, in his in his mind, because he says, Boji, give me all of your clothes. And Boji gives him all of his clothes. But not because Boji's afraid of him, but because Boji thought that he wanted clothes. And Boji's just a selfless person. And he gave him those clothes. Um, and after a few days of doing this, Kage started to feel bad. He started to realize Boji's a good person. Because think about it, Kage has not had a lot of kindness in his life. The last kind person that he ever really had in his life was his mom. And I guess that in the closest thing to that, I guess, is that guy that sold him out. So like when he realizes that Boji is like a genuinely good person... He kind of renounces his ways of being a thief and and, and becomes Go- Boji's best friend. 
And that's all in the second episode. That's one fucking episode. Let's talk about Boji. Now, I talked, I said, I said a little bit about Boji already. He's deaf and he's mute. Um, and he's extremely selfless. He literally does not have a selfish bone. He, he literally could not physically be selfish if he tried. Um, the reason why Boji is so small and his dad and his mom were giants comes from Bossy, his father. Bossy wanted, had one ambition in life, and that was to become the strongest in the land. And at one point, he was, he felt like he was, and he kept trying to find more and more challenges to beat. He came across a god that was stronger than him and beat the shit out of him. So he was like, so after that, he made a deal with a demon to make him the strongest person in the land. The price for that deal was to steal the strength that his firstborn son would have. So before, so long before even, even meeting his wife and having Boji, he signed his son's strength away. And as a result, when Boji was born, he's tiny, he can't grow, and he has zero strength. And it's not, it's a curse on him that is impossible to lift. He literally can, he literally cannot, it doesn't matter how much he, he works out, how much he tries to train, he literally cannot amass any strength and that it's his curse. However, Boji finds in, if where he lacks in physical strength, he has an empathy and he's actually a master um, movement. He like he has mas- mastered speed. He's extremely fast. He can dodge any attack. It doesn't matter how big or beefy the person is. He this is something like he, he he is born with that he can dodge any attack. He's extremely agile, um, and eventually he he gains other abilities to compensate for his lack of strength, and it kind of makes him into the most powerful person in the land. So um, that's all I want to say about Boji, because if you haven't seen the show, that's that's all I want to say about Boji. That did not really spoil very much, I got to tell you. Like, if you watch the show, if anything, this should just convince you to fucking watch the show. Now, why is this show so good? I touched on it already a little bit. The method by which they tell the story is presenting every single character. And honestly, they even presented Kage like this at first, too, until you saw the first the second episode, that every character that is not Boji, they present them as a villain the first time they enter the story. And, and it's, it's such a bold move doing that because, like, it makes you immediately... And I'm talking like a real villain. You hate pretty much any new character that gets fucking introduced in the show. You, you hate them. And it, and it becomes that much more of a gut punch when you realize every single character in the show has a redeeming quality. Every single character. So there are characters in the show that do. I just told you about Bossy. I just told you about King Bossy that fucking sold, sold his son's strength to become the strongest person in the land. He did that selfish thing. And he actually did a more, another a, arguably more fucked up thing later um, to his other son. And even he has a fucking redeeming quality. I'm not going to even tell you what it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I mean, the idea is that literally like, it, it will break your heart. It will break your heart just how much every single character is human. When, when it's every single time they reveal the humanity in a new character, it just is, is kind of incredible. And it's such an interesting way to tell a story. I've never actually seen this before. And I think that's what that's what drew me in so much. Like to just because I just wanted to get every time every time they would introduce a new character, I would just want to like be invested and be like, how the fuck are they going to redeem this person? You're going to you're going to I swear you guys are going to watch the show and you're going to be like, Gozi, 
you lying bitch. That character sucks. That is the worst character. There's nothing they could do to be redeemed. I shit you not. You're going to fucking eat your words. You're going to eat them shits. You're going to eat them shits. I swear. And the next or the final reason that I think this show is really good is the animation style. As you can see, it comes off pretty childish. Every every character has extremely exaggerated features, and it looks like a, like a Cartoon Network cartoon, honestly. Um, but the, it's actually a very deliberate choice because when you see the combat uh, sequences, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm pretty certain that they are using a technique um, where a, a live action person like an actual human is doing the action and they're drawing on top of the action and it's just the way that how smooth these actions are it really looks like it's a real person that's doing it and this is a this is a technique that um disney actually did a lot back in the early disney days um with like snow white and robin hood and 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 cinderella like pretty much anytime you would see complex movement like dancing um or running in those shows that or in, in those uh, movies back in the day it's because they actually had an actual person do that action, film it, and then the animators actually drew pictures frame by frame on top of that image. And that's the reason why it looks so smooth. So that is, yeah, the, the and, and I, I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing here. I'm pretty sure that's that's the that's the technique that they're using here. Rotoscoping. That's the yep, yeah, exactly. Rotoscoping. That's the term. Thank you, B. <laughs> now, verdict. This show fucking rocks. This show fucking rocks i said a lot spoiler wise but not actually but i really didn't say anything because i didn't really tell you anything about the plot i just told you about two characters and those are the two main characters and everything i told you you're gonna find out in the first two episodes so if you haven't seen this show fucking go watch it it's so fucking good i just watched the the finale like a few hours ago and i fucking cried so it's so fucking good all right spoiler off briefly (laughs) Next, so that's Gozy Stands. The next segment that we will cover is Who Asked for This? In this segment, we will go over a show or movie that reboots or remakes an old work for better or for worse. And I'll tell you what I think about it at the end. This we uh, this month's Who Asked for This is, let me do a spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, by the way, we are going to be spoiling the fuck out of this. Honestly, and same thing. It's really, I, when I say spoiler alert, I really don't go into the plot too much. I'm really just talking about the characters. So take that for what you will. This month's show is Bel Air. And this is a reboot of the, of the beloved sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel Air that ran through the early and mid 90s. Let's talk about the original for a bit before we get into the new one. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air um, is a sitcom, kind of the first, re- I kind of like to think of it as the first real black sitcom that really embraced um, the personality of of someone that's from um, an urban area, a black person that's from an urban area. I feel like prior to this, whenever black people were po- portrayed on, on in sitcoms, they were portrayed as like very proper, which don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty proper. Like that, that is definitely how black people are. But I feel like they weren't doing that in earnest. They were not doing that to really portray the black experience. I think they were doing that to placate white people. I feel like back in the day, if they would have showed any other type of per- of black person, the white people would 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 like st- riot. Like, at least this is what they thought. They thought that the white white people would riot and the show would get canceled. And this is kind of the first one that kind of embraced that as a main character. Generally, in those shows like Family Matters, um, like Cosby Show, generally in those those shows you had characters like this, but they were never the main character. They were never the main character. And this kind of changed that. 
So the premise is that there's a young kid um, that's played by Will Smith that's named Will Smith. Will Smith plays Will Smith. Um, <laughs> and uh, he is a teenager that lives in um, Philadelphia, West, West Philadelphia. Um, and one day he he's a, he's actually very smart. He's very, very um, he's, he's I guess what you would think as like a hood dude. Um, but he's like extremely smart and extremely talented. He's very gifted at playing piano. He's a straight A student student. Um, he's a very gifted basketball player. He's getting scouted for for scholarships for college. Um, But one day he got into kind of a a bad altercation with a kind of not good person. They didn't really go into detail in the in the original show about that person. But it was enough to scare his mom into wanting to send him away to live with her her wealthy sister and her, her husband in uh, L.A., in Bel- in the neighborhood of Bel Air. Um, so she sends Will out there, and when he shows up, he kind of doesn't jive with them. You know, they're, they're a wealthier family living in a very, very uh, white-dominated <laughs> uh, neighborhood. Um, and, and this family that lives there, they kind of know how to act around white folks, you know, because, like— it, you can't really we can't really be ourselves call for those that aren't aren't familiar with the term it's called code switching um and when you're around that a lot uh that code switching kind of becomes your identity and i think that's what kind of happened to the family here it's not a bad thing it's just it just happens um but because of that when will comes in some p- members of the family kind of feel like that threatens their way of life a little bit like they don't want to be seen as you know ghetto or something um and and they feel this this sentiment changes don't get me wrong the sentiment does try and change but this is how kind of it is at first so let's talk about the characters so here is the banks family plus will uh and jeffrey um they're the patriarch uh is phil bank philip banks who's a lawyer um at the start of the show he actually ends up as a judge later on in the show so uh, and his wife is Vivian Banks. This is the old, the newer casting of Vivian. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, whoa, hello. <laughs> uh, and she is a professor, I think, at UCLA, an art an art history professor. Um, the children, I'll start with the oldest, Hillary. Hillary is um, very beautiful um, and kind of stupid. Uh, we'll get into that a little later, too. Like, they really kind of laid in on Hillary's character being a beautiful idiot, which talk about my opinion on that later um who still lives with she she was in college but she dropped out of college and doesn't really want to know, know what her, know what she wants to do with her life that does also progress in the series um the next oldest child is carlton carlton is around will's age uh and he's very you know handsome and smart and and plays plays sports he's he's popular in school because he really worked for it um and it became there there is a rift between Will and Carlton because Carlton feels like he earned his place in Bel Air and in, in the school. Um, whereas he feels like, um, Will, cause Will kind of gets popular kind of quickly. Right. Um, because he's like, cool, he's fucking cool. Right. Um, and and Carlton kind of hates that because he feels like, well, I, I fucking worked hard to get to where I am. So why the fuck did he does he get to be popular? You know, um, so that's kind of where a lot of their friction comes from. But the difference in the new series, we'll get to it. The difference being um, Will and Carlton actually become quite close quite quickly in the original series. Um, whereas I feel like that rift is a lot more exaggerated in the new series. And then finally, the youngest is Ashley. Um 
I think Ashley is a really interesting character, and I'm really curious how they're gonna where they're gonna take her character in the in the new show because she really hasn't had a chance to shine yet. Um, but Ashley is interesting because in the show, in the original series, she was like I think 12 or 13, the actress, um, when the show started, and she actually grew up with the show. She ended the show as a young woman, like like around 18 or 19 years old, um, and you see it with her character because her character is also growing up in the show. So I think her character was quite dynamic, growing from the young girl, the young little kid. Um, pretty much the tootie of the of the show into her own, you know, grown woman character, her own identity, um, her own wants and needs and her own ambitions. Like, it's really, really interesting um, where, where Ashley's character went in, in the original series. And I'm really curious how they're going to do how, what they're going to do in the new series. Absolutely. Yep. 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 Ashley, Ashley. Oh, that's true. And Ashley uh, is, is super impressionable. She, she takes to will pretty quickly. Um, it, it, it's really interesting because in the new show, I haven't actually seen Ashley and will really interact much. Whereas in the original series, Ashley loved will like she, will being so cool. She wanted to be just like him. Like she really latched onto will early on in the series. And it's, 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 actually, it's actually a really notable uh, difference that I didn't, that I'm actually not seeing in the, in the, in the new reboot. Um, and I'm curious to see where that goes. Let's talk about the cultural impact. Um, this show was, was pretty fucking, I think, revolutional when it comes to black sitcoms. You know, it, it entered the 90s um, with such... Ah, like, like I, Don't get me wrong. We ha- we've had all black casts um, in sitcoms prior to that, but it kind of just changed the tone, you know? Like, making... All, all different black experiences like shine on the screen, I think really paved the way for different other, sh- other newer shows. Like the Wayans brothers came out later in the nineties, you know, um, What's it called? Uh, Martin came out. The Jamie Foxx show going to the 2000s. You got one on one. You got girlfriends. You got half and half. Like it really, I think, paved the way for for different black personalities celebrating different black personalities um, on TV and how and it can it show you know more than anything because like I like I mentioned before I I feel like the older black sitcoms like in the late 80s and even the early 80s um, and even in the fucking 70s they were very much geared to 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 play I don't know placate's the wrong word they were they were targeted to white people I feel like black people we weren't targeted we were not the target audience back then and I feel I feel like this show kind of made it made clear to showrunners that black folks can be fucking profitable we can make money black tv shows can make fucking money and I think that's what the show sh- this the showed and then it blew up after that we have all cut ki- oh my god we have all kinds of black shows now so shoot like insecure would never have happened. I feel like insecure would have never happened if this didn't happen, you know? So hell yes. Hello. 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 I see some, some action in the chat. Hello. Hello. Um, cool. So let's move on to the, to the new series, Bel Air. Now the biggest change, let's talk about the changes here. The premise, the premise is different. The premise has changed. Um, Basically, it's more the biggest difference between the old show and the new show is that the new show is a drama. It's it's dramatic. It still has funny moments. I think it's it's actually quite funny sometimes, but it's extremely dramatic compared to the old show. Um, starting with the premise, so same sort of thing. Will gets in trouble and has to get sent to uh, sent to Bel Air. Whereas in the old series, the reason for him getting sent there felt more like to give him a better life, to get him, you know, better opportunities. Whereas in the new show, he is with a friend and he goes to go challenge some guy to basketball. And But they're like bad guys. They're like gang members. And his friend brought a gun. 
his friend is getting the shit kicked. Basically, something happens, and his friend starts getting the shit kicked out of him. Will grabs the gun and shoots it in the air. This is all in the first episode. In fact, it's like the first 20 minutes of the first episode. He shoots the gun in the air. The cops come, arrest Will, and put a gun charge on him which threatens to ruin his life. Like I mentioned, he has the, he has all of these opportunities. Like he's like, he's smart. And he has all these, these scholarships coming his way. And this will fuck that up. This will fuck it up. So, um, another layer that's new is that, um, he's facing some really serious charges. His uncle Phil, who is a lawyer, puts in a good word and actually kind of breaks the law a little bit to get his record clean. Um, which is interesting because that actually comes up later in the show. So he has the the reason why he has to get sent to Bel Air this time is because that gang member is trying to kill him. This it's literally to save his. It's like I told you, it's more dramatic. It's way more dramatic. Like it's not just to give him better life. It's straight up. He's gonna fucking die. He's gonna get shot if he stays in Philly. So that's the reason why they sent him. I just I think that was like a stronger reason. Like while it, it makes sense to me that like you would send someone with like wealthier relatives to give him a better life that actually happened to me like when i was younger my cousin came to live with me and my mom and my dad um to give him a better life because he's from he's from a, a bad area um so i buy that but this just feels more it, it hits home more i think it was a more effective a more effective telling of the story um but that's pretty much how that's it on how the premise changed um it's just more dramatic um and i think it works it's really weird i think it works Going to an Eagles game. <laughs> oh, no comment. Uh, uh, now, the change in characters. Let's talk about how the characters have changed. And they have all changed. I think maybe the only character in here that hasn't really changed much is Will. I think his his portrayal of the character itself has not changed much from the original. However, something that I love, something that I fucking love is that the showrunners are focusing more on Will's serious side. I feel like the original show did that, but at the for the most part Will was just a clown cuz he's funny. Will Smith is funny, so they would just give him a bunch of jokes. Um Whereas in this show, he's still funny and cool and charming and everybody likes him, but it real the show really focuses on how he feels. You know, how does he feel? What's going through his mind with all this shit happened to him? Like, how does he feel about leaving all his friends? I feel like the original series really, really did not touch on like how Will felt about abandoning his life in in Philly to come out here. You know, the show, the new show really did a good job of like showing him struggle with it. Like he even tries to run away. Like the second day he was just like, fuck this. And he fucking pays jazz. It was actually kind of nice how he met jazz too. He pays jazz to take him to the airport, but he couldn't even get out the damn gate because Jeffrey fucking came in. Jeffrey's like a fucking spy in this, by the way. Jeffrey is like, he's like just a a butler in the original series. He's like a straight up like fucking Idris Elba spy in this. Like he is so mysterious. I'm not even going to talk about Jeffrey because I don't even know what the fuck is up. I don't know what the hell is going on with jeffrey um but i do know he's fine though (laughs) but uh no yeah will and honestly jabari banks's acting is really great too we'll get into the acting a little bit later uh let's move on aunt viv so they changed aunt viv's character quite a bit but also not really though like he's alfred penny oh yeah kind of yeah alfred pennyworth yeah shit Cause you got Alfred Pennyworth being like, like doing like cameras and cameras doing like fucking computers and shit. Like he's yeah. Yeah. Jeffrey. Yeah. But that, that also implies that Phil is Batman, which he's not, (laughs) but no, (laughs) anyway, back to Aunt Viv. So uh, Aunt Viv is still kind of the same 
premise in that she is a professor at she's an art history professor um, at, at some college. I'm pretty sure it's UCLA. Um, but what they did to her character is that they made it so her her backstory is actually in being an artist. I don't actually remember if the original original Anviv was an artist, but this Anviv is. And she actually had a whole career as an artist. Like she's incredibly talented. Um, all of her art really centers around um, portraying blackness, the beauty in blackness, you know? Um, and and it's it's kind of, I really, really like her art actually. There's, there's even like homages to the original series in her art, which I didn't even realize until recently. Um, but it's really, really cool. It's really, uh, and she, but the, here's the thing. She when, when Uncle Phil, I guess, got out of law school and started like kind of really getting gaining tracking, tracking, ugh, gaining traction in his law career, and they started their family, she felt overwhelmed by it and she quit. She quit. She decided to not be an artist anymore and to just you know look after her family. And a part of her has been like missing all that time. Like she feels she's happy. She loves, she this woman loves her family, y'all. She loves her fucking family. Um, But I mean, a part of her is is, is also thinking like, when's it going to be my turn? When do I get to shine? You know? So, and Viv's character, and she, this, oh God, she loves her. I love, and Viv is probably my favorite character in the show, guys. Like she's, oh God. Woo. Yep. 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 Oh, I'm so curious to talk about. Okay, we're gonna talk about MVK because I got some stuff. We got some stuff to say. Because I'm actually curious about your your um perspective on it, because I didn't really love the second Aunt Viv, the light skin Aunt Viv. Um, and so as a result, I didn't really like follow her very much. But we'll, we'll talk about Aunt Viv in a few in a few minutes. Um, Uncle Phil, uh, his character, we're gonna talk about a little more about him as well. He's a lawyer, and in the show, um, when the show started, he's running for district attorney, which is interesting. It's an interesting, de- not departure from the original show, because I'm pretty sure that James Avery's Uncle Phil also ran for some sort of office at some point in the show, but it was interesting to open on the family when he's in the middle of this, because it kind of, it, it's kind of portraying him as a type of, as the type of person to put his ambitions, excuse me, ahead of his family. He's not doing, he's not doing this on purpose. Um, but he's just like letting his ambitions cloud his judgment a little bit. Like there's an interaction with his son later. Um, Carlton has like a, a substance abuse problem and it's a little bit obvious, at least from the audience perspective, but uncle Phil is just so distracted and not really paying attention that he like, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know if the, if the con, if the subtext of the scene was to show that uncle Phil kind of knew about it, but was like actively like denying it. So that he could focus on his, but I, I don't know. It just kind of seemed like he was either ignorant as fuck about his son's life, or he was straight up ignoring, purposefully ignoring the fact that his brother, his son, is like a clear drug drug abuser. And I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. So going actually, that's a good segue into Carlton. Carlton in the show, in the new show, is kind of a dick. I don't know, man. I really don't like how they how they've portrayed Carlton. He's kind of a little bitch. I feel like the the original Carlton was also kind of a little bitch, but it was funny. Like it was played for laughs. Whereas in this one, it's like he's like I hate him. You hate him. Like, oh my god, he's just being a dick to Will for no reason either. Like ignoring the fact that Will is is has been struggling and and is trying to adapt. Carlton is just actively making it worse for him and it's just like amazing. It, he's in the show he's he's since stopped. He's since let up on that, but it was really they really came in hard with it. And I was like, "Okay, dude, dude, Carlton sucks." Um moving on to Hillary. Okay, Hillary's difference how they changed Hillary is I think my favorite change of any character they changed because as y'all remember she was the valley girl airhead in the original series 
that that she is not that she is not in the new series. And I fucking love that they did that. They made her smart. They get, they made her talented. They made her driven. Like she is basically has the same premise in that she went to college and she realized she didn't want to do this. You know, she doesn't she didn't really know what she wanted to do, but she knew she didn't want to do this. So she dropped out of school. But the difference, the difference with this, this Hillary versus the last Hillary, this Hillary decided to try something. You know, the last Hillary was just literally like spending up her parents money and not doing shit where this Hillary was like trying to become an influencer on on social media. And, And you know what? Say I'm sure some people will probably try to say, oh, that's not a real job. Yeah, the fuck it is. That's like saying streaming ain't a real job. This is a lot of fucking work. Like, just like that. So I have so much fucking respect for her. She she uh, got into an ultimatum with her, mo- with her mom because her mom didn't see it as real work, but she did. And she actually, like, was, like, getting, like, a following, too. She had something like, like, 30,000 followers on Instagram or something. Like, she was really, not to mention, they made her a talented cook. She's a cook. She can cook delicious food. The original Hillary couldn't even pick up the damn spatula. Like I swear to God, like the the way the, what what they did with Hillary is just incredible. I love how they changed her character. Moving on to Ashley, there. Okay, so in the new show, she has not really been featured very much, but a very notable change that they made with Ashley is that they made her queer. She she's uh, she's gay. She likes she likes girls, um, and the the. Most that's not even the notable thing about her, right? That what I love about what they did with Ashley's character, and it's something you do not normally see with characters, uh, LGBTQ plus characters that are presented in media, how they're portrayed. Usually, when you see LGBTQ plus characters portrayed in media, they're usually at the beginning of their of their journey. They're at, usually at the when they're first like coping or not coping coping is the wrong word when they're first trying to accept and love themselves as who they are whereas where they put ashley ashley knows who she is she's like i like girls she's not ashamed of it she's not not that that's a bad thing but i mean it's it's she they they're they're centering on her character at a point in her journey that you do not normally see um, with with uh, LGBTQ plus characters, she's not at a point in the show where she's she's not at a point in her life where she's ready to talk to her parents about it. Um, but she's secure in herself. She doesn't feel she 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 knows who she is, and she's like, I am who I am. And I thought that was really re- fucking cool because you really don't see those you don't see LGBTQ plus characters portrayed that way these days. And I really thought that was a really cool that was really an interesting choice. And like I said, I mean, we ain't gonna talk about Jeffrey because I don't know what the fuck is I don't know what the fuck's going on with his character. Uh, the culture, the modern cultural impact. So a lot of it's much the same, I think. Um, at this point in time, um, many, a many, a many a shows, many a black shows have come and gone, are ongoing, have paved the way for a show like this. So it really does not have the same impact that I think the original, um, the original Fresh Prince had, but I think it does still have an impact, right? Um, it's showing black wealth um, in a way that is classy is not the right word i I just i love how they how they portray black wealth and sophistication you know they're showing a a country that is that has a lot there are a lot of people in this country that for some reason still believe black people cannot be wealthy black people cannot be sophisticated black people cannot be successful there are a lot of people in this country that feel that way and it's fucked up and this show unapologetically shows why that's bullshit like every, the way that every character in the show carries themselves with 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 gravitas and, and class, it's just it's kind of incredible to me to see. I really, really, really love to see that. So 
and a lot of black people you barely see white people in this show like not even just the banks family they got a lot of black characters in the show that are all so equally wealthy all interacting with each other all proud of their wealth proud of where they got came from proud of their proud of their success and just being successful black excellence like it's just it's just really fucking cool to see why is this show so great? The acting is so well done. It's so funny because most of the characters or most of the actors in the show are kind of nobodies. Like, I think the actor that plays Aunt Viv is maybe like the most I, I've seen her. I think I've seen her in another thing. But every other person in the show, I've like never seen them in anything. And they're so fucking talented. They're so fucking talented. They really could have sold out and got a whole bunch of like big name actors, but they really fucking took, they took the risk and it paid off because the acting is really fucking well done in this show, especially Jabari Banks, who plays Will. Like, I swear to God, like he must, I swear, this guy must have like watched the original series three times end to end. Because the way that he portrays Will Smith, he's like a little Will Smith. There were times in the show where if I closed my eyes and heard him talk, I would think that's Will Smith. I was convinced at one point that there were times where the actual Will Smith was just dubbing some lines for him. Because I swear this dude, his voice sounds just like him sometimes. I am so shocked. It really does. I, I'm so fucking shocked. Like, he, is, he has done such a good job. He's really, it's such a, it's a heavy burden to carry a show, to be the center of the show. Um, and he and he really he fucking does it. He he wears the crown. He wears the crown. The soundtrack is so good. <laughs> it's so good, guys. If if there's nothing else you take away from this show tonight, go get on Spotify and look up the soundtrack to Bel Air. That soundtrack is so good, and it's like so notably good. The uh, the last show that I can think of that I watched where the soundtrack was so no because normally when you're hearing like a a, a a song play in a transition or something, you don't really think too much of it. You're like, oh, that's a good song. This one, multiple times in a single episode, I would just like hear a song and I'm like, oh, uh, oh, oh, do the do the stank face, uh huh. Oh, okay, that's good. Like, I swear to God, the soundtrack is so good. Go look up that soundtrack. Holy shit. Aunt Viv. We went into this a little bit. I really love what they did with Aunt Viv. You know, they really changed her and made her like a more three-dimensional character. Um, and, and I think she's more akin to to the dark-skinned Aunt Viv. Like I said, Kane, I, I, I don't really remember a lot about light-skinned Aunt Viv because I really, like, I, I just know I love dark-skinned Aunt Viv, right? Um, and I feel like this Aunt Viv really channels her more. I feel like, and, and you know what? Here's the thing. It's, it's, it's actually a systematic thing that happened on the show. It's, it's kind of fucked up. This came out last year when they did the um the the reunion special the dark skin and viv the actor that played her um was ousted from the show because she clashed with with will smith with the with uh, the actor will smith and they ousted her from the show and kind of branded her as difficult to work with which happens a lot that's gonna come up later in the show y'all stay tuned for the second part of the show um that happens a lot in hollywood um and as a result her career kind of stagnated after that you know um, and they brought in the new actress to play to play uh, Anne Viv, and they kind of really severely diminished her role. I think. I think the original Anne Viv, the the dark skin Anne Viv, the original actor that played her, they really the writers really focused on making her very three dimensional, giving her desires and wants and needs and ambitions and a voice. Whereas the new Anne Viv, they kind of like put her in the background a little bit. I feel like, I feel like they really just diminished her. So I'm really glad the new Anne Viv, they really are channeling the, the old Anne Viv because they, they, they're making her kind of like, uh, I, you know, honestly, I think she's more of a main character than uncle Phil is at this point. I think she's more of a main character than uncle Phil is at this point. It's kind of crazy. Like she really is outshining that guy. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, Aunt Viv, she's amazing. Hillary, I already kind of went into this already. She, you know, I could, they said this has to be the biggest improvement on the show. Actually making Hillary a fucking real character instead of a fucking punchline. Like, I swear, this this has to be the, the best, like, she she's, I respect her. I respect Hillary. You know, she has good advice. She cares about her siblings. She's the first one that that Ashley opens up to about about her about her queerness, you know, and she gave her good advice and she supported her. Like she said, you know, Ashley, do you want to tell anybody else about this? No. okay, then I'm here for you. Tell me what you need from me. Like she was a supportive sister. When when Will tells her about Carlton's substance abuse problem, she's supportive. She says, "Okay, well, I I think you you have to step up here because if it comes from me, he's not going to listen to me. He opened up to you about like she's smart. She's smart. She has street smarts like she's she's a really good character, bro. Hell yes. Yes. Check the show out. Y'all, this is a good show. Oh, so should. Um, now what's not so great about the show? Carlton. Carlton in the original series was actually likable. Even from day one, like there were, he had like eye roll moments where you're just like, okay, shut the fuck up, Carlton. But like they made him like kind of silly and slapsticky. So it kind of gave him a little bit more charm. Whereas in this one, Carlton is like actively a dick. He's actively a fucking dick. Like there was a point in the show where um at at first when will first join uh, join the the academy where they where they go to school which uh, funny enough this academy is not an all boys like in the original series it was all boys this one's co-ed so that was an interesting departure too um will was kind of an outcast at first you know yeah affluent there we go affluent like he's like a, he he felt like carlton this carlton felt like he was better than will he thought he, he felt like he was fundamentally better than Will. He would like make jabs at Will for not being rich, like for where Will came from. And I feel like Carlton in the original series didn't do it that quite on the nose like that. He would like suggest like, oh, you're not used to this. Oh, whereas this one's just like, I, I don't even want to quote him. He's just, oh my God, such a fucking dick. There was a point in the, in the new show where um, so one of one of Carlton's classmates um, does something to, to, to Will to try to get him expelled. I'm not going to say what it is because it's really shocking and I want you guys to watch the show. Um, he, Carlton doesn't do anything about it. He knows who did it. He knows what they did and who did it. And he stays quiet. And he was about to be okay. He was about to just like let Will get expelled for something he didn't do. The old Carlton wouldn't have, wouldn't have done that. Not to, And I'm not even going to knock him on his substance abuse problems because I think that's actually one of the better parts of his character. Like showing how, uh, showing how when you're when you're in an affluent family and your parents are very successful like when your parent like I, by, who, who out there who out there in the audience has like anybody knows that somebody that has parents that are like super high achievers parents that are surgeons brain surgeons parents that are lawyers parents that are like super wealthy and they grew up wealthy but they feel like they have to achieve high too you know they feel like a lot of pressure to also do that and and some parents are good about it. Some parents tell them like, oh, it's okay. You don't need to take the path I took. You can do whatever path you want. Like they give them that reassurance. But I feel like a lot of kids, they sit here, their parents don't do a good enough job of doing that. And as a result, when they don't, when they aren't a high achiever, when they feel like they're not living up to their parents, they, you know, have issues. And in Carlton's case, he feels extreme anxiety, extreme anxiety, panic attacks when he's not be the best at something. And that's part of the reason why he like, I think, clashed with Will so much, because when he sees all of this stuff that he worked so hard for and how Will's getting it so easily, um, he he starts his he, his anxiety starts acting up and he starts acting out. And that's how that's what he that's what he does the drugs for to cope with that, you know. 
Yep, exactly. Yep, 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 yep. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. So like in that stance, honestly, I kind of am convincing myself into liking him more just <laughs> the more I talk about it. Because and in that aspect of his character, I think they did a fantastic job. But I mean, they, they, he could have been less of a dick. Uncle Phil. Now, Uncle Phil is not objectively a bad character, but the way that they're portraying him in the show um, is unfortunate because the original Uncle Phil they portrayed so well. James Age, James Avery, rest his soul, did excuse me an, an amazing, an amazing job playing Uncle Phil, being a father to his kids and a father to Will. And this Uncle Phil is so wrapped up in this in this um, district attorney race is that that he's like kind of ignoring he's this and i and i think this is the reason why i like Aunt viv so much because now it's making the Aunt viv character kind of step into that role you know and that's what's making us love her so much because she's the one that's supporting the kids and uncle phil kind of isn't and, and and the only time uncle phil steps into his family matters is when something they're doing is affecting his 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 bid for district attorney something happened in the last episode um the new episode's coming out tomorrow something happened in the last episode that makes me feel like this will change, you know, that his character is taking a different direction. It hasn't happened yet. So my opinion for this Uncle Phil, he's not as he's just not doing the character of Uncle Phil a, a, a good service right now. I hope they change. I hope they change mine. I hope they change my mind. Next, the f- okay forced racism. I'm gonna. There's a character, this character, this white guy you see here, his name is Connor, okay? He's, like, the only character in the show that really has done, uh, been overtly racist. There's been other characters in the show that have done microaggressions, which is a little bit more accurate, I think. Um, whoa, hello. Um, but <sighs> he's so overtly racist that it's so forced, because I feel like there is not a white person in this country right now that lives somewhere like L.A. that's going to act like this around, all, like, how many black people are in this fo- okay this is a bad example but there's a lot of black people to go to the school there's th- they're not going to be over like there was a moment in the show where they're all they're all in the, lo- the locker room will had just joined the basketball team at this point they're all in the locker room and they're singing a song that has the n-word in it and connor's over here he's saying n-word and, and carlton's like just ah, yeah yeah go connor Con- Car- carlton's kind of going a little uncle tom with it letting him do it will comes in and says yo dude fuck what the fuck you can't say that and connor and, and carlton's sitting here like oh come on will chill 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 this was kind of the first moment where I was like really not a fan of Carlton, by the way. <laughs> um, very, very much self-hate, not a fan of self-hate. Um, but I mean, there, there's like recurring shit like this. Like we find out the, the thing that the thing that happened to Will that almost got him expelled. This guy did. This guy fucking did it. And and he's just so unapologetically racist and it's very overt. I uh, his I think I want to say his role in the show is about to be a little bit more diminished because something happened recently that makes me feel that way. I hope so, because I think he's a weak part of the show. This is nitpicky. This is a very small part of the show. He's a very minor character, minor character. This is very nitpicky. So um, I won't lay into it this too much, but um, I do feel like his character specifically enforcing the racism aspect is is just a little bit too exaggerated and it's kind of distracting. But yeah verdict we may not have asked for this remake but holy shit are we happy they gave it to us it is so rare it is so rare when when they remake a show or a movie and it ends up actually improving on the source material and i think this is an example of it like they really there is not a lot that they've done with this show that detracts from the original i think it, it, it it's only going up um i'm so fucking excited to see what they do with it and y'all should give it a watch if you haven't watched it yet all right. Spoiler alert over. Where is it? Boop. All right. 
And that was Who Asked for This? The last segment of the first part of the show is called Anticipation. That's a joke from Rocky Horror. Uh, this is a segment where I talk about what the, what I'm most excited about for the next month. So for, starting with Moon Knight. I'm so fucking stoked for this. I actually have not seen the episode. If you've seen the episode chat, don't, don't spoil it for me. I'm actually going to watch it like right after we're done with this. Um, but apparently it was fucking good and I'm so excited to watch it. And it premiered today. It's going to come out every Wednesday at midnight and I'm yeah, we're we're we may talk about it at the next. Uh, did y'all see that? I try. I want to try. I kind of want to wait until the show's over before we talk about it. So we'll see what happens. Atlanta season three premiered last Thursday, and uh, this was a long time coming. I think season two came out in like 2018 or something. So it's been like fucking four years since we had a fucking new season. So it's a huge fucking deal. Um, the first, the second episode was like kind of mid, I think. Um, but the first episode was super fucking good. If you guys have ever seen any of Jordan Peele's movies, um, like us or get out or even his, he's got a new one coming out called Nope. I don't know when it's coming out, but I'm so excited. Um, he does like a very specific genre of horror. Um, his style is very suspense oriented where like different things happen and you're just sitting here like, what the fuck? This is, and it's just tense. And I want to, I, I believe that the first episode of season three of Atlanta was an homage to that. Um, cause it's, it's very much, it's very, it feels very much like that. And it was really good and it was really fucking funny. The humor was very on brand for Atlanta and it was a really, really solid start of the season. Very excited for the show. Upload uh, just came out this month. It was this was a surprise to me because I didn't even fucking know it came out until like I was in Vegas. I was like, oh my god, did you see the upload? Um, the premise of this show is that when you die, um, there is a if you're rich when you die, <laughs> there is a service you can do where they uh, beam off your head with a laser, <laughs> and then they upload your consciousness to a fake. A reality where you can it's kind of like heaven like you can kind of have whatever you want there um and season two just started I actually just saw the first few episodes i almost binged this last night it's so good the show is so fucking good i got three episodes in and i was like bitch go to sleep you have a show tomorrow um <laughs> but i'm really excited about this one i really might actually just binge this this week like and we might we might be talking about this one sooner rather than later the pre- this is a good this is a good premise this is a good one Upload. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Russian Doll. This was a surprise because the first season of Russian Doll felt final. Like it felt like a, a beginning, middle, and end of a story. And I was really, I really did not think they would actually have a season two. I have no idea what to expect with this. The premise of this show is that it's a woman who I think got hit by a car, um, and she keeps reliving her birthday. She keeps reliving the day over and over again. Every time, and for some reason, she keeps dying. She meets another guy who's also having the same issue. That guy, the guy, chose to take. Take his own life and he also is reliving the same day and i th- i want to say the reason why they're doing it is because i think they both died at the exact same moment so that's why they're they're linked and how they got out of that is they had to figure out how to save each other's life um so spoiler alert i guess they did because there's a season two um i don't know i don't know what to expect with season two it premieres on april 20th i'm really excited about it we'll see where it goes uh, and Outlander. So this is kind of not a new show. Um, season six just started premiering, but I'm behind. I'm actually all the way back in season three. So personally, what I'm going to be doing over the next month is binging seasons three through five so that I can get on to get started on season six because the show is so fucking good. Oh, my God. Like <laughs> for the ladies out there, uh, 
usually it's, it's a it's a showtime show so there's there's sex scenes um but normally when you see sex scenes portrayed in in uh tv shows and, and movies and stuff they're usually catered to men toward men that's why you always see titties that's why you, you always see boobs and 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 it's never it's never for a woman's benefit this show the sex scenes are for the woman's benefit. So if you're a lady and you like like love stories and a little bit of sex, watch this show. It's really good. Content warning. There's a lot of rape in the show. I'm sorry. It's a fucking it's a Showtime show um, set in the fucking 1700s. But I, I roll my eyes every time it happens, but it doesn't happen that much. But it does fucking happen like every fucking season. It's about some movies. Speaking of Morbius, Kane, I am also excited for to see Morbius. However and or but... The critics are panning the fuck out of this show. They are panning the shit out of the show, and I'm so fucking sad about it. This this is uh, set in this is a Sony show. It's in the it's in uh, it's a Marvel show. Sorry, Mar- Marvel movie, but it's not MCU. It's Sony. It's in Spider Man Land, um, and they actually even said that the movie is set in one of the three Spider Man's universes. They're being vague about it, but we all know it's Andrew Garfield's. It has to fucking be. Um, this movie comes out on Friday. I'm gonna kill, I'm gonna still watch it, but quite frankly, heads up, guys. Ugh, the, the, they're basically saying, without spoiling anything, they're saying that the CGI is real bad. Which at in this day and age, if you've got bad CGI, I think there's no excuse for that. Like people can like if they get Blender or some or cinema cinema 4D, like people can make really good CGI CGI at home these days. So there's really no excuse to be having bad CGI in like multi million dollar movies. Um, I don't think it was intentional it sounds like it wasn't intentional i think they just usually generally so going in so gozi's going into her her vfx nerd nerd mode right now generally these days if a movie has bad cgi because movies have multi-million dollar budgets there's no excuse generally these days if they have that it's because they they looped in the vfx companies late in the game and the VFX companies did not have enough time to make it look good. When you see really good CGI, it's because the things that they're rendering, it takes like a long fucking time for the computers to render them, like weeks or months at a time. Um, and if if they're coming in and they tell the VFX company, okay, we need this movie done. We need, we need you to be done with all of the VFX for the movie in six months. The CGI is going to look bad because they literally, it's scientifically, physically impossible for them to be able to produce something good that much. Even if they work day and night, the computer can only can only it, it can only render so quickly um so that's usually the reason why it happened and it ends up being a management issue all right vfx nerd off <laughs> but anyway i'm still i'm still gonna watch it we'll see also they said the post credit scene it, it doesn't make any fucking sense and it'll straight much straight up piss people off um i actually i haven't seen it but i was so curious i read what the post credit scene is i don't know if i agree with it we'll see um but i'm excited it's on april 1st it's on friday the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> this is a movie in which Nick Cage is playing a more exaggerated fictional version of Nick, Ch- Nick Cage. I shit you not. He's actually fucking doing that. I don't know a lot about this movie, but I, I all I know is Nick Cage is the greatest actor of all time. And I love every movie he's in. And I know it's going to be fucking amazing. So it comes out on April 22nd. I'm watching it. It's happening. We might even do a watch party on this, guys, because it's going to be ridiculous. If you've seen any Nick Cage movie, especially his recent ones, you know, it's going to be fucking crazy. The unbearable, oh, excuse me, Starship Troopers Terran Command. Uh, this is a video game. And I just recently saw this last week. It's a Starship Troopers game. And it looks terrible. And I can't wait to stream it. Oh, my fucking God. Uh, Starship Troopers, for those that don't know, 
is a movie that came out, I think, in 1997, and it is a 100%, 100%, 100% a military satire film. However, a lot of people didn't catch this, and they th- they just look at it as like an action movie with crazy, where, where, where military people are fighting bugs, like giant bugs. Um, but it's it's actually riddled with propaganda, military propaganda, and it's totally making fun of the, of the obsession, the American obsession with the military. I think it's hilarious because my dad was in the Navy growing up, so I when I watch the movie, I'm sitting here like, okay, that's fucking funny because there's a lot of shit in the movie that like my dad would straight up unironically say and spout and i'm like okay that's super fucking funny so i'm excited as fuck for this game i don't know how much of the game is going to lean into the satire or if it's just going to be like literally us fighting bugs who knows all i know is it looks bad and i want to play it uh but yeah oh interesting oh i did not know that the book wasn't a satire that's really funny actually <laughs> oh man damn they made fun of that author of that author and then finally, Tokyo Revengers Volume Four, t- Volume Twenty Four. This actually came out back in early February, but I haven't read it yet, and I'm gonna fucking read it. The Volume Twenty Three fucking ended on some crazy shit, so I am really excited to pick this up. Uh, as you can see, I'm not gonna tell you who that who the main character is. I don't, I'm not gonna tell you who this character is on the front page because a lot of people have only ever seen the, the anime, and I'm not about to ruin this anime for you. I'm not about to fucking do it because it's so good. This is like single-handedly the one of the best manga I've ever read. It's the best manga I've ever read. I, I will be damned before I fucking ruin this for somebody. Y- y'all either read it or wait till the anime come out, but I'm not going to read. I'm not going to read it for you. All right. That, that concludes anticipation and also concludes part one of our show. We're going to take a, a, a five minute break, but when we come back, we're going to have a special guest. So sit tight all. We are back, folks, with part two of our show, Talk Gozy to Me. Talk Gozy to Me. Talk Gozy to Me. Talk Gozy to Me. Okay, our guest tonight is a VTuber, variety streamer, and an artist, and a hobby musician. He likes to stream art, games, and whatever else he's in the mood in. Variety, y'all. He likes to mix up his streams with different types of bits of interactions as well. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to Crow and Chroma, y'all. Oh, thank you very much for, for having me, Gozi. Very yes, nice yes. To, uh, to meet you, Gozi's chat. Yes, thank you for joining us. Thank you, thank you. Um, go ahead and tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your about your brand and 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 the kind of content you make. Okay, my brand. Oh, that this question it made me think about that old Context commercial. Do you guys remember my brand? <laughs> the um, so my I brand. I would say, mm, I don't know, like. I, I pretty much would describe my brand as a mix of coziness and uh, unintentionally comedy as well. So, like, basically what I, I like to do is I, I like to try new things for, for my own for my own enjoyment. But I like to share that. Uh, the, the way that I share those things with my audience usually doesn't change. So whether it be uh, in a cozy manner or a, uh, like a, a more comfortable, re- relaxing kind of manner, or a uh, or throwing some humor in there. I guess I'm a funny, relaxing guy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Okay. So, what makes you so passionate about that type of content? So, like, I've always loved consuming different types of media, like music, stories, anime, games, videos from like 
different types of like content creators or streamers. And I've always felt a push to create too. So I'd say some huge driving forces for me to, uh, to, to create the kind of content that I do would be the joy and like the good memories that I've had consuming like the, the, the type of content that I create and also the um, just like I've always felt creative. Like I've always had a, like an urge to create things. Very nice. Very nice. I could definitely, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we did the zoom thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah. And like, I just, what, what, what pops into my mind is um, just like the joy and like the good memories, like consuming the type of content that I like has brought me. And like the idea that I could like be the same thing for someone else that my, my, my content can do the same. Very nice. I like that. I could definitely uh, relate to that. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is the single coolest interaction that you've ever had in your content or your social media presence? Oh my gosh, that's a tough one because I've had so many, so many cool interactions. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me think. One that stands out would be, I don't know. I would say, like it was a recent stream where I was having a lot of trouble. Um, with technical difficulties for, for some reason, my, my internet was just like not cooperating. Mm. So like I, I was disconnecting for like three minutes at, at a time. And then like my stream had like a minute delay. And then just the people in my chat, they were very supportive. They were just like keeping oh. up conversation, like treating it like a chat room. And then someone was like, well, one of my moderators, they were like, Oh, like, uh, quick, say nice things about Crowen b- uh, before he gets back. <laughs> so I just felt so much support. And, like, the fact that they put up with, like, six minutes of technical di- technical di- difficulties and then we, we jumped r- right back on, that that really, that was a really cool one. That is so wholesome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So this is something I like to I like to ask people. If you suddenly hit it big... And just became like this huge streamer with like hundreds of thousands of followers and seemingly unlimited resources. You got money and you got time. How Ooh. would that change your brand? Um. Oh my gosh! Like that's a really tough one too. <laughs> like I don't think my brand would change very much. Like um, though I do think that like those resources, like the unlimited money, the seemingly unlimited money and time. I'd definitely be able to use that to increase the quality of my content by a whole lot. And with that time and like those, those resources as well, I'd love to be able to put on like large, uh, uh, like sort of large events where like, um, like they, they benefit like mm, the VTuber community as well as maybe even some charity stuff too. Oh yeah, very nice. I've always wanted to personally get into charity myself. Oh, the doggy! Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sorry, he does that. <laughs> um, okay, so what's some advice that you could give uh, another smaller content creators that are like just starting out, like maybe somebody that's just starting to get into streaming? Um, let me think. Um, advice: I would say be yourself because a lot of the time, like, like. Even like uh, in day to day life, like at work with certain friends, with family, 
like you interact with people different ways. Everyone has like different, I'm not going to say different faces that, that they put on, but there's, there's a different you for each, each situation. But above all else, like that's still you, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I would say don't try trying to constantly keep up a persona for streaming. That sounds very stressful to, to me. That, that's something that I've never been interested in doing. So interact with your audience, interact with your content in a way where you can be yourself and be comfortable, where you don't have to strain yourself. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is if you're streaming, be a streamer, like be interactive. Make sure your audio settings are good so that your voice and not just your game audio are heard or like mm-hmm. whatever you're streaming. Uh, because nobody wants to join a stream and not feel acknowledged or or not be able to hear the person streaming because like otherwise they would just go watch a, a YouTube video. Like if mm-hmm. w- whether it be giving general commentary that's about what you're streaming or um or thinking out loud, padding that that space and just interacting, asking open-ended questions. I think that's just a a good way to go about it to drive interaction. Be interactive. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, I know a lot of a lot of folks have trouble <laughs> filling dead air, especially when they're not like streaming to anybody when they have like zero viewers. So I could definitely see that. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, do you have any other uh, any like upcoming projects like you want to like give shout outs to? Um. Um. Nothing in particular, really. I'm always streaming and collabing randomly throughout the week. I'm always trying new things. So since there's usually not. A like I, I I've never in my life made a, a stream schedule. <laughs> I've always <laughs> been stripped the moment. But besides that, I'm working on the art and rigging for my own model to prepare Ooh. for my VTuber debut. So like um please look forward to, to that. Like it's it's tough for sure, but mm-hmm. everybody's encouragement is always appreciated. So I would say that's the big thing coming up. Preparing for my debut. Hell yes. Hell yes. Well, thank you so much, Crow. With that, let's go ahead and get on to our next segment on that real shit. Now, in this segment, we will talk about a topic. And tonight's topic is representation of BIPOC people in popular forms of media like video games, Hollywood and VTubing. So let's go ahead and start with video games. Let's go ahead and start and talk about the issues. You know, like for me, some of the issues that I've seen in video games um, are, you know, customer or customization options for characters like hair and skin colors, um, Mm -hmm. as well as uh, like video game protagonists. Like we see more black and brown people as video game protagonists these days. But I feel like even 10 years ago, that was just like not a thing. (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? Oh, for sure. The... um... The one that stands out for me, like that you mentioned, like both of those stand out, but I would say the thing that is the most bothersome is the lack of character creation options because I would actually put those as both of those issues as equally as annoying because games that don't have um don't have a character creation type thing and are putting you in the role of someone who just completely doesn't look like you. And then that compounds with like not being able to make someone that looks like me when I have the the option presented to me. Like, I, I sort of, it sort of gets old. It sort of gets frustrating. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. Definitely like go with the like. So, yeah, sorry about the, the protagonist thing. Yeah, I, I feel like you're right with that. It seems like a lot of the times when I see people debate this topic on like representation of black folks in, in as protagonists, um, usually the loudest voices saying, oh, there's no problem are I hate to say it, folks, it's white dudes with brown hair um, because <laughs> that's what every fucking game protagonist is, is a white dude with brown hair. So, of course, they think don't, they don't think it's a problem. So it's just uh-huh. like it, it really comes down to um, like the, the solution for it seems to really, in, in my opinion, is to just have more black and brown folks involved in the video game creation process. Because, you know, the reason why they make them look like that is because they look like that. The folks that are making the game look like that so that they, they're putting what they look like so if you have more black and brown folks that are actually making the games they'll probably look more like like us you know that's at least that's what i think what do you think i, I i'm inclined to agree because it's like um i feel like the reason behind it is like partially also because of um just the standards of beauty around mm-hmm. the world like um because for for example, like um like a lot of games that we consume, like um JRPGs, MMOs and everything, they're made in Asian countries. And like mm-hmm. um like for example, like uh a Japanese game, like someone might argue, like you said, someone who says like it's not a problem or something. Mm-hmm. The um like you have a lot of main characters in like that in a, a Japanese created game and the main character is Japanese, but usually their complexion is pretty consistent, mm-hmm. but even within Japan, right? There's varying skin tones of the people there. So yeah. like, like very rarely do you see, okay, I'm not going to say very rarely, but more less often do you, do you see a darker Asian main character, whether it be in a game, whether it be in an anime, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's like, um, like this might be, be kind of deep, but like a lot of art, like there, there's not really a precedent for representation of darker or colored or people that have textured or different hair in media since, or in art since even like the Renaissance era, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's a good point. Um, and yeah, with art and like, uh, even, even like you mentioned like Japanese, like Asian culture and anime, um, and this kind of segues into VTubing just a little bit. Um, something mm-hmm. that I found back when I was getting my model made, um, there's a lot of artists out there that <laughs> assume when you ask for a black model that you mean tan. You know, there's been times, and I'm Whoa. very firm. Yeah, I know it's weird. I, I've I've been very firm about this. I've had um, artists commission art for me, and they'll send me back the color, and I'm just like, uh, no, that's not my skin color. Like, this is my skin color. Make it darker. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's wow. like, yeah, and I don't think it's I don't think it's like a purpose. I don't I don't think they're doing it on purpose, like in, in, to be purposefully colorist. But it's it, it's it's a form of colorism, you know, where they're thinking mm-hmm. that a lighter color is going to be prettier, and that's just not true you know i think i think my model's beautiful being a dark skin model you know so mm-hmm. that's an extra that's an interesting thing to bring up that 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 standard of beauty in japanese culture and in a, like in asian culture is that lighter is better it's it's, it's very colorism is very much an, an issue in in asian culture um so yeah that's, that's a good point mm-hmm. like um like i would say like um 
this is deep rooted. Like this is just my, my opinion. I'm not like as far as geography, history, things like that. Like my my knowledge is very limited, but like from what I've looked from what I've explored of, of those things, like I look at the um, I think about how, for example, like art. Like I mentioned, Renaissance era paintings. Like uh, there's really no reason for there to be that many black people in those. But when it mm-hmm. comes to, um, for example, a lot of Renaissance era art was depictions of religious things, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think about how, like, whether you believe like the events of, like, for for example, like Christianity. Like the the events in the Bible really really happen. Like the Bible is a form of a history book, and yep. then the um, like you see a lot of depictions of biblical figures, and if you look at how the geography lines up, where a lot of the locations. Like in the Bible, for example, because like the 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 reason I bring up the Bible is because I'm talking about religious texts mm-hmm. or like re- re- religious art. The um, there's no reason for everyone to be so fair skinned. Yeah, literally everyone, like, like ninety percent, like they portray Jesus as a white man, Laughable. and then. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't no way he's living in the sun in the Middle East and he's gonna be white. Not gonna happen. He's not, he's not gonna survive there. <laughs> no. Oh, mm. they didn't have SPF 40 back then. No, they did not. <laughs> no, my, I, th- I think my man's would have burnt. So, mm-hmm. like, th- this goes way far back. Like, the, and then Western art and everything, Western influence on art, mm-hmm. like, I think that, like that whitewashing, uh, 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 I'll call it, uh, that's what I like to call it because yeah. he, he wasn't white. The um, I think that spread over into like other uh, other countries as well. So I think that's why we see a lot of it in in like the Asian area as well. Absolutely. Yeah, folks in the chat bring up a good point. Corvus uh, mentioned that uh, even though he's a white man, um, he played half uh, Alex in Half Life Alex, and it was it was an amazing experience. That's actually a really good point. Like, it's so interesting that people like are so up in arms about representation. And, like, anytime a new character, a new game drops, and the main character is like a black woman or a black man or Hispanic woman or Hispanic man, like they get so up in arms about it. Like even LGBTQ, if they're like an LGBTQ plus character, they're just like, why do they, why do they have to make everything gay? And it's like, why does that bother you? You're not even going to see the character. It's first person. Like, why does All that bother you so much? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? and at that point, it's like the shoe is on the other foot too. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's like I, I've been having to play a character that I can't relate to for, um, for my whole life. You know what I mean? Like as far as like protagonists go. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. and like well, like Bentor said, like even in in the text, like uh, they, they mentioned something like he had hair like that that was like like wool or like a lamb and something, right? And then they're like, mm, let's give him straight hair. Yeah, they're all in like a fucking Con Air commercial, like looking like their hair flipping their hair, like Jesus had no, Jesus, his hair was not like freaking straight like that. Come on now, okay. <laughs> All right, so you know, let's 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 move into VTubing then. So 
some of the issues that I've seen, and I, I classify this into two different things, right? So the first thing is representation in the small indie community, the large indie community, and the corpo levels. Um, so in the small indie community, there are we're everywhere. There's there's not, and it's so it's so oh, funny. Yeah. When, I, when I first started VTubing, I could not find us. I thought I was the only black VTuber on Twitter. <laughs> find us, and quite frankly, quite frankly, I didn't find us until Black History Month. Until we started getting celebrated by people. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. how crazy is that? Like we were all here the whole time. Nobody knew about us because nobody was talking about us. That's so crazy to me. Do you do that thing where it's like, um, like, cause like, it's still like, there are still some that, that like you find every now and then, like when you find another black VTuber, aren't you like, Oh my God, it's, 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 it's another one. And then like, yeah. you, 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 like you immediately like, like check them out or like message them or something. <laughs> yes. I followed so many black VTubers in February. Oh my gosh. Like all of my, like half my followers are black VTubers. Like, like for real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, and then and then a representation at the larger indie level. Um, that my line of thinking for that is is how difficult it is for us to grow. I think of all of the black VTubers I have found, the biggest one maybe has like around thirteen thousand followers, and I find that crazy. And like, and, and we can't even like say that it's because we're black because there's black content creators out there. I think her name is. Um, Oh, what's her name? Something Guns, Janie Guns or something like that. But she's got like oh. 600, 600. I forget her name. I forget. Jazzy, Jazzy Guns, Jazzy Guns. That's her name. Um, and she has like 600,000 subs on YouTube. So, I mean, it's not like we can't get, be successful. It's just so shocking to me that we're not. And I feel like the reason for that is mm -hmm. larger indies don't put us on like i'm pretty convinced that the way to get successful like people can bootstrap and grassroots all they want when it comes to like being like growing from from zero but i think at the end of the day the way to be successful as a streamer is to is to put each other on you know is to have somebody bigger than you expose you to their community and that's how people grow and because that's not happening in the vtuber community all these big vtubers are not collabing with like smaller more diverse vtubers that's why everybody's oh. white that's why everybody's white up there. Or if they're not actually white, if they're if the real person is not white, their character's white. You know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's that's what I'm seeing. I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I never thought about that. Like I've always thought about how when it came to um when it came to content creation, like of course you need to have quality content, right? Mm -hmm. But there's so many elements of I don't want to say randomness to it, mm -hmm. but um I'd say, like you mentioned, connections and randomness. Yeah, like because, yeah. like the the randomness that I, I mentioned is, like for example, like if one big streamer decided to, like raid into a much smaller streamer who was also black, that that could make a huge ripple, in like, the VTubing community in general. If that, if like. That happened more often. I'm not saying like, oh, hey, go go rate someone that, uh, that's black. Uh, yeah. Automatically rate someone that's black. But like you said, like black VTubers being lifted, and also um, just like like opportunities where where um, how do I put it? Mm. Like just just the strangest stuff goes viral. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I feel feel like it's those three things: quality content also support from others but also the underlying element of randomness that everyone's fighting uh, against 
Yeah, you're right. The luck aspect is really real. I had I had one like I post I post cl- clips of me seeing it on my Twitter literally all the time. And then one time I just post a random click. It wasn't even the best thing I've ever done. It blows up to 200 likes. I got like 50 followers from that shit. I'm like, how? <laughs> it's luck. The algorithm just liked me that day. So you're right. Luck is, is, is a part. Luck is definitely a part of it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really su- surprising when, when it happens. It's like, wait, out of all the things, this <laughs> blew up? Mm. This? Absolutely. And Twitter's weird like that because you even see like I know y- y'all probably seen this in your in your timelines. You'll, <laughs> you'll see like a post that has like three hundred thousand likes on it, and then when you click the person that put the post, they got like fifty followers. Like I don't know how does this how does this work? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know when that happens, one thing you always see is like um like you see a reply under the the original post, and they're like, oh man, this is this is doing numbers. Um. Hey, by the way, check, check out my SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. And it never works. It ne- they never <laughs> check out the SoundCloud. <laughs> have, have you ever looked at, at, at the reply and they're, and they're like, ooh, this blew up, like this this funny dog video. And you're like, oh, this dog video is funny. Let me check out their um, their SoundCloud. Let me check out their, uh, <laughs> their Instagram. A hundred percent. So I, I wish there was a way to leverage that. And that's like a flaw within like, like mostly Twitter. I really do not see this in like Twitch or anything unless somebody big raids somebody small. But in Twitter, it's, it's real, it's weird, real weird like that. And there's not really uh-huh. a way to game the system with Twitter. Um, but yeah. So yes, a large indies. Yeah, that's that's definitely there's a representation problem with them. I think the easiest one to fix out of the three is the corpo one. So not only do we not see mm-hmm, representation mm-hmm. in large indies, but the big corpo groups, Hollow Live, Niji Sanji, V Shoujo, Zenderia, um, all of these huge, I wouldn't call Zenderia a huge one, but I mean, you feel me? Like all of these corpos will not hire mm-hmm. anybody black. And I know for a fact that black people are applying. They just want, and I know for a fact that quality people, black people, black VTubers with quality content are applying they won't choose them. And I don't know why. I don't know. I can speculate why all I want, but I mean, it needs to, quite frankly, if that happens, if they hire somebody black, that's going to be the heyday of black VTubers. Because now suddenly they, the masses realize, oh shit, black people are funny. They're going to go follow all the black VTubers. But like that, because that hasn't happened yet, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're all 13K followers and lower. We're never, we're not even in the large indie category. At least that's my take. What do you you think? Oh, I never thought about that. I never really... Like, to be honest, I never really considered that as a possibility mm. because, um, like you said, you know, black VTubers are, are applying. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, and then, like, what I, what I automatically go back to is like, in my mind is the other issues that, that we mentioned in other forms of, of media, like, uh, for example, like we mentioned, lack of re- lack of re- representation in games, but also like in anime and mm-hmm. or just like media in general. And then, like, there's a reason for that. Like, like I think the biggest reason is that is the beauty standard of that's the standard for attractiveness or appealingness in like worldwide, mm-hmm. like brighter people um and like i'm not saying i i i I love white people they're i love brighter complexion people they 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 are there are a lot of them that are chef's kiss oh my god Mm. (laughs) 
Yum. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> delicious. <laughs> but, but like, but like, I'm not saying that because like I disagree that that they're they're beautiful. But um, like that's what sells. Like people are much slower to recognize the uh, beauty of like that that there is in different types of of hair, different types of facial features, not even just with, with black people, but like I said, like it's a, it's a colorist thing too. Mm-hmm. So like in my mind, the reason that doesn't happen first and foremost is because they know that's not going to sell. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's also my, my take as well, especially cause like those companies that I mentioned, um, mostly, most of them are Japanese country countries. So it, it, it if they're, they're that community, the Japanese community does have colorist issues not to say i'm not saying that that's what's happening there i'm just saying like that's i believe that that could be a factor um Mm -hmm. but i also believe that they're they're pretty progressive especially the ian i feel like a lot of their i'm pretty sure their ian folks are are run by some western people they have to be because they are being like uh for example um like yugo yugo in uh the new nijisanji um i think yugo was in noxium is that or Noctix? There we go. Nox, not Luxium. Noctix. No. Noctix. Um, and Yugo is voiced by, I believe, a, a female, a female, a femme person. Um, I don't. Oh, I don't, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that um, um, the voice the voice actor of uh, Yugo is actually trans. I think it's actually a femme person. So it's actually, it's interesting that they went. That's pretty ambitious. I think. Um, I think there's plenty of indie VTubers that do that, that are that are you know gender queer and and non-binary. Um, but the fact that they hired a, a femme person to voice a male uh, character is pretty fucking oh, progressive. Oh. So I feel like they're they're capable of it. I think they're capable of making those boy choices. And I think Niji Sanji specifically is the most capable. Like they 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 seem like the most open to experiment. And I honestly, we need to see more of it. They, I mean, I get it. What works works. And it does. Like, if they hire ten more Gudas, uh, <laughs> they're gonna make uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're gonna do that. But I mean, at the same uh-huh. time, experimenting opens up to other demographics. Quite frankly, because there is no like real like black resi- pre- black presenting um, big VTuber right now. There's an entire mm-hmm. demographic, an entire audience that is not keyed into the VTuber community because of it, because they don't see somebody that looks like them. And and I, and I know there's like a it's a weird misconception. This is a guy, y'all, black folks in the audience. This this is a weird misconception that a lot of non-black people seem to think that black folks don't like anime. That could not be more false. But black people love some <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. That could not be more false. We are the biggest weebs ever. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and that's a whole market that's being excluded right now because of it. So I like, that'd be my call to action for like corpos out there. That's a market that y'all could tap into the first, the first corpo to hire a black presenting person as a VTuber and get a black model. You're going to make a lot of fucking money from that shit. I just got to say. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh mm. my gosh. Mm. I, I would go as far as to say that like, you know how like, um, like uh, black meme culture, mm-hmm. I would say that a lot of anime is part of that too. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> like we we love some anime. Like like uh, like I, I'm not pro- projecting onto uh, onto uh, Akira Toriyama, the creator of Dragon <laughs> Ball, but like like the 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 head canon of like 90 percent of black people is that like. 
Piccolo is black. Yep, hundred percent, hundred percent. Ask any black person who likes anime. Ask them. Ask him if, if Piccolo is black. They gonna say oh, they are. Yes, the Namekians are all black. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that and Knuckles the the echidna. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But yeah, but yeah. So I, yeah, I think there's definitely um, the representation issues. I think are solved, and a lot of it needs to happen from allies our allies have got to help lift us up like we can grow and pull each pull each other up but i mean at the end of the day like i said there's the biggest of us are still considered small and that's really messed up because there are a lot of talented content creators out there that really deserve that light showing on them so yeah yeah sweet deal so but the last topic is hollywood black representation in Hollywood. So these are, this is something that's pretty close to my heart because I'm, I'm an actor. I, I, I do theater acting. Um, oh, and okay. The <laughs> IRL. And the, uh, the issues that I have observed in Hollywood are, number one, being branded as the angry black person. That's something that any black person can can um, uh, identify with because that shit just happens in any... It doesn't need, Not even just Hollywood. The difference with Hollywood is that it can fuck up your career if they brand you as that because the, the whole thing about like um, acting and theater and Hollywood is like everybody knows everybody um, and, and it's, it's nepotism is so fucking bad it's so fucking bad uh, when it comes to the highest tier of acting and theater and show business um, such that if you get into a show and you piss off the wrong person they'll tell everybody to not hire you and they won't hire you and that actually happened. We were talking about well, uh, uh, Fresh Prince earlier. Dark Skin and Vin. Oh, yeah, this happened Viv. to her. Mm-hmm. This happened mm-hmm. to her where, where she had a falling out with Will on the set. Will told them, I'm not working with her anymore. They're not going to fire Will. He's <laughs> he's the fucking prince <laughs> of the show. So he's the Fresh her. Prince. <laughs> exactly. It's not Fresh fresh aunt, fresh aunt, auntie of Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they fired her and they replaced her. And, and now she's branded as difficult to work with. There's other people this happened to. This happened to Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard is branded as a as a, a difficult person to work with. He got fired. Or he got, not, didn't get fired, but his contract got terminated with um, with uh, Iron Man too. So y'all remember um, Terrence Howard was playing Rhodey. He was the original actor to play Rhodey before. Um, uh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they were in talks for, because Iron Man was wildly successful, successful as y'all know, it spawned off the MCU. So when they were in talks for Iron Man 2, the contracts were a lot higher. And the first Iron Man, Terrence Howard got paid more than Robert Downey Jr. Because Terrence Howard was a bigger actor. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, Robert Downey Jr., they paid, they were like, oh, we're going to give him all the money this time. And Terrence Howard, all he asked for, he actually got a pay cut. He got a pay cut in the second huh? one when they got when they offered him money. He would be and because the previous movie made so much money, he's just like, I want you guys to give me more money. I think I deserve that. And instead of uh, fucking giving it to him or even negotiating, they fucking fired him and replaced him. Mm-mm-mm. And and Brandon him as a difficult to work with actor, and that is why we don't see Terrence Howard on a lot of stuff. He did Empire for like eight years after that, but that's it. Wow. That's it. I didn't know that. This yeah. is news to me. Yeah. So it, it really does happen. Um, another example of that. I could go on forever with this. Another example, a recent example about this, Ray Fisher in uh, in Justice League. Um, so the story with Justice League is that Ray Fisher played Cyborg. And uh, 
it was originally directed by Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder had a tragedy in his family. His, his daughter killed, killed herself. Um, oh. So he had to step away from the project. They brought in Joss Whedon instead to like finish the project up. Joss Whedon's ask. Oh, I got a lot to say about Josh Whedon, y'all. Oh, my God. He, <laughs> he totally hated... Zack Snyder's script and rewrote a lot of it. That's the reason why the story we got in 2017 versus the Zack Snyder cut last year is like fucking totally different because Joss Whedon pretty much changed the whole fucking thing. If you notice in Zack Snyder's version, Cyborg is the main character. Cyborg is the is the main protagonist of that movie. It's following Cyborg the whole time. In Joss Whedon's version, he all but cut Cyborg out of the fucking movie. And we find that's out a big change. It really is bad. And, and we found out because Ray Fisher actually whistleblew about this after the original came out in 2017. And again, last year when, when the Zack Snyder cut came out, because when the Zack Snyder cut came out, we all saw it. We were just like, OK, hold the fuck up. Hold the fuck up. You cut J- J- Ray Fisher totally out of this movie because he was he had a big role in this movie. So um, and basically on the set, like uh, Joss Whedon, like was like riddling with him with like um, like microaggressions talking about he's not a very good actor. Um, talking about he needs to do this X, Y, and Z. And he was just he, he was an he was a total asshole to Ray Fisher, and he he was like verbally abusive. And Ray Fisher just had to kind of take it. And quite frankly, back wow. when, when when he finally did whistleblow, everybody like jumped on him. Like what? Joss Whedon is a respected respected director. You know what you're talking about. You're just a, you're just difficult to work with. You're just a you're just an angry person. You're just ungrateful. And they all they all like canceled Ray Fisher until a couple years later we found out Ray Fisher was telling the truth. So anyway, that's sorry, and then at, at that point it's too it. late. Oh no, exactly. you're you're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. like, like you might find out later, but like after the the damage has been done and the opportunities have been missed, uh, there's not much you can do. <laughs> yeah. And when 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 somebody has power in Hollywood, um, they can end your career. And and it sucks because black people have uh, long been like the, it's it's called implicit bias. Like people, whenever like uh, a stereotype is um, deeply rooted in society for long enough, people can't help but to think it, and people can't help but to assume that black folks are going to be aggressive in confrontations it's 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 something that i've personally experienced there's been times where um there was one time when i went to the airport um and i had an extra i had like my purse which is supposed to be my personal item and two bags and i didn't realize that counted as three bags and i get up to the to the ticket counter and this lady's just like, uh, you have three bags. You need to consolidate. I was just like, oh, okay, I can do that. And then they started like snapping at me, like, ma'am, ma'am, you, you calm down, ma'am. You need to. I'm not. I'm like, what? Huh? I'm not for. Yeah, I know, right? They were like coming at me, like I because the reason why is because they assumed before I even opened my mouth, they assumed that I was gonna fight them on it. They assumed that I was gonna be aggressive, and I'm sitting here like, start, no, start I can do it. Your fingers. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's crazy. That's not even the first time that's happened to me, and it's just it's called implicit. It's not. It's not calling people. People are not overtly racist when they do that but it is a racist thing it is it, it is inherently racist to do that it's, a, it's exactly implicit bias b so um and that and, that, and it affects people in hollywood like people as soon as a black person like maybe complains and says hey this hairstylist doesn't know how to do my hair now they think that that person's difficult you know now they now they treat them with less respect yeah like you, you said it's not even outright uh it's not even intentional, but like um, people don't realize that um, like bias or r- specifically racism 
isn't always intentional. Like, like I'm sure that there are many things that I do mm. or a few things here and there or even ideas in my head that are just like innately rooted in some sort of bias or racism. Mm-hmm. And um, like, for, for, for example, like you brought up that example from, from the airport at my old work, right? Mm-hmm. Like a previous job, there was a, a policy, there was a dress code for, for, uh, for people that we were working with. Mm-hmm. And then there was my boss. And then there was the second in command who was uh, uh, under him. And the second in command, he had this policy where it's like, well, the dress code is there for a reason. If you do not, if you're not dressed properly, then you are sent home. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, that, that's it. And then there were, like, I can count on like maybe three people, three, th- three clients where they, they came in they were not uh, in the proper uh, attire. Mm-hmm. And then the um, I was thinking, oh, man, they're just going to have to go home. Yeah. Long day. And then my boss, he goes to the back and he, he gets the uh, uniform and everything that they need and he provides it for them. I'm like, okay. oh, oh, okay, well, okay, whatever. And then same thing happened with a... Um, a uh, darker color client. And I'm like, oh, okay. So b- boss man is just going to go back and, 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 and hook him up. He's going to, yeah. he's going to dap, he's just going to dap him up. And, um, no, he's like, mm. he was sent home. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't like that. Like he, it wasn't intentional either. It was just like, yeah, it was an implicit bias. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he, so, like, he probably didn't even deep. he probably didn't even see anything wrong with it. He probably wasn't even thinking like, oh yeah, I'm doing I'm doing my job. But he didn't realize he was being more lenient to the person that looked closer like that, like him. Mm-hmm, exactly. Unconsciously. Yeah, it happens. And 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 I and I, I want to stress, I can't stress enough. Like when I when I talk about implicit bias, like and I know like people that that white people like really really hate the R word. They fucking hate being called racist. It does not mean, let me, this is my mission to every white person in the world. When someone points out something that you did was racist, they are not calling you a racist. They're just saying you, a person, a human that makes mistakes, did a racist thing so that you can know that you did a racist thing and learn from it and not do it again. So I know I'm pretty sure folks in the chat right now, you probably don't even need to hear that because I, I, I trust that y'all already know that. But believe it or not, some people don't. So that's my message to every other white person in the world. You're not inherently racist when someone says you did a racist thing. That's not what people are doing. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. No, like, and again, it goes both ways too. Like, uh, of course, like we're talking about like the um, like bias or racism that uh, affects us, mm-hmm. but like we have biases uh, a, 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 of our own too. Like, yeah. it's not a. It's not a white thing, not a black thing, not an Asian thing, not a color thing. It's just a human thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I I I acknowledge that I am I probably have a decent amount of racism within me, unintentional, and it will be checked at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you're but you're willing to check it. That's that's the point. Like folks mm-hmm. have to be willing to acknowledge 
something bad that they're done when someone says so instead of because uh, the knee-jerk reaction is the bad habit that, that everybody's really got to kick like if somebody tells you so you did something wrong before saying no i didn't just say okay did i do something wrong like why is that mm-hmm. if somebody gives a reaction to you that that is like a really strong negative reaction instead of like reacting back to them be like okay so why why what about what i just said or did gave them that reaction like empathize with that person and try to see what they're w- how they might be interpreting what you said or did and learn from it mm-hmm. it's growth it's growth like the meme I, from insecure <laughs> like like one, one, one thing i want to piggyback off of that is um like um how y- you said like checking yourself right because i like before i uh presented this topic to you of like uh representation in media and games and everything mm-hmm. like i ran it by a, a few of my, my friends and then they were like oh really i didn't even know that was a problem like mm-hmm. I, I didn't even know that that was something that that happened that was happening and um like when you think about it it's not even like just like because i chose the the, the topic of um of bipoc people being represented in media and games because like it's affected me personally, but this goes for, there are like, um, there are like Caucasian people that have like curly wavy, um, mm-hmm. hairstyles or like they have certain like facial features that are shaped a certain way, like nose or lip shape, or like they have, uh, features where it's like, they have like maybe freckles or a beauty mark. And then, they feel excluded because they can't represent that in the, in like, for example, a character creator, or mm-hmm. they feel like they those aren't, um, aren't beautiful as well because they, they, they don't see it. They don't see someone that lo- looks like them exactly either. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's important. It's, that's why I really, I really have a lot of respect for, um, I'm a person when I play these games, like whenever I see little details like that, where that show that the game developer really thought about somebody, you know, like in Cyberpunk uh, 2077, as many issues as that game had, that had one of the most um, customizable character experiences I've ever seen, like to the point where you could like change the shape of your nose or change the shape of your jaw, make yourself thin, make yourself a little bit chubby, give yourself Ooh. big boobs, small boobs, give yourself a big wiener or a small wiener. Like, wait, wait, wiener? <laughs> wait, 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 what? Yeah, I've never can, seen that. <laughs> there is dick customization in, <laughs> in, in Cyberpunk and boob customization in Cyberpunk 2077. It was incredible. And you know, and, and I know people, some people might think, oh man, that's stupid. Just let us get the hop in the character and, and, and go in. But like for a lot of people, just like you mentioned doesn't matter what color you are or what you're like there's a lot of people in the world that look at these games and they never see themselves in it and to the p- folks at code Pro- project was a code project red some whatever their name is people that made cyberpunk 2077 they made that engine for customization so customizable because they thought about those people and i just appreciate that little that little detail that they thought of and that's what it's what makes them a really good company i think so wow i didn't know about that Mm-hmm. I have a question about that. Um, like you mentioned, you could customize the Frank. Can you customize the beans as well? No, no. Sadly, uh, ball size is is, is static. But <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Uh, you got ways to go. <laughs> yeah, we got ways to go. But it was a really cool stride, and I feel like a lot of a lot of game. And I get it. Like a game development's hard, and like spending a lot of resources and something like that is very expensive. But it really does show that they care and that they're thinking about their players. Ever not just their core players, not just their core audience, not just the mo- the, the demographic that they're going to most play, but they're thinking about everybody. And I think that's pretty freaking cool. So. Oh yeah, I, I, that's that's the kind of stuff I love to hear. And then like in, in chat, we have someone mentioning like they said in the recent Miles Morales uh, Spider-Man game, um, there's a deaf character that uses a- ASL and it's it's proper ASL. And then like a, a, a deaf person co- commented on on that scene and they said that's the first time that they had ever seen proper ASL in, in a game. And it's like it's just representation all around. Yeah, they really like most people. Sure, sure. People could argue that most people that that moment probably pass them by. They probably wouldn't even think like tw- twice about it. But then you have people that are deaf that that's going to really that moment is going to stick with them in their head. You know, that, 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 that they did that for that person, you know, I could see myself crying. <laughs> yeah, if that was me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The, oh, what's up? Yeah, like the. um. Like one, one one more thing I want to shout out. Like you, you shout shout out at the uh, the creators to uh, for Cyberpunk. But one thing I was really shocked by is, um, I believe it was Monster Hunter World mm. in three games: Monster Hunter World, Animal Crossing, mm-hmm. and Fantasy Life for the Nintendo 3DS. These aren't even American de- de- developers, but they added Afro hairstyles yes. and textured hair to the game. Like that was wild to to me. Yes, that's rad. No, yeah, I agree with that. And they like did it well. Cause don't get me wrong, there were other games that like would try that. I don't know if y'all ever played GTA Five, but there's like a <laughs> cornrows that you can put on. <laughs> they, they straight up just look like yarn braids, super glued to his scalp. They don't like. <laughs> like I, I applaud them for trying, but that ain't it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> So those games you mentioned actually did it well, and I really like that. <laughs> Points to them for for trying though. That like, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. The um, if if you have like a, a few more minutes, there's actually yeah, one more absolutely. point that I want to bring up because um, like I think that um, that sort of ties into the solution to this problem of like not just us, but um, a lot of people feeling excluded. The <laughs> chat. <laughs> the, uh, oh my gosh! The um, I think that ties into sort of the solution because, like you said, like for example, in the VTuber community, we have we have um the ones like th- those th- those of us that are colored and, and popular. It's on a much smaller scale than everyone else, right? Yeah, but. I also see this as a really big opportunity because like you said, like those three games or those four games we, we mentioned, they did it well. The yeah. Grand Theft Auto, not so much. But what <laughs> I like is how they tried. Because again, one thing to keep in mind is there's not much of a precedent for like these features being um, illustrated even in a 2D medium or in a 3D medium. So... Mm-hmm. I would say like like that's that's the, the the first step people trying like people mm-hmm. trying to 
for example, like creating VTuber assets that are are including darker skin tones or people just trying to like draw different types of characters that mm. that they've never done done before. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. I see it too. And people are trying. There's like I, I, something I, I, sh- I saw on Twitter. Somebody made, uh, and it's you're right, it's the assets, making assets. Because a lot of people, I guess, are, are I'm not going to call them late. It's not laziness. It's just people, it's hard and people like to stick with what's comfortable. And what I've mm-hmm. seen people post on Twitter is like um, assets other people can use in order to make content that's more inclusive and it was really great somebody made paintbrushes Whoa. that you can import into photoshop photoshop that makes textured hair like curls spirals um kinky hair braids Ooh, I, seen those. I love those mm-hmm. and that's so great that they did that because it's just like that just made it that much easier for artists to be able to make those like maybe they wanted to even my artist my artist um couldn't I asked her to to give my my model like um kinkier curls like hot, tighter spirals and she literally couldn't do it because it's like too hard is the wrong word it's it's that it's it's difficult to make that in live two D and then that that person that made that paintbrush just made it that much easier you know mm-hmm. so I think oh, that's yeah. really that's really cool that's really cool for people like I really applaud people like that or that that are like actively not just not just changing the 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 climate um themselves on making their own art but also enabling other artists to adopt it as well. Oh, for sure. Like, um, I, I would say that's that's going to be the biggest driving force in the the issues that that, that we mentioned changing. Because, like, I, I I'm black, and I, I've encountered this problem myself. Like, rendering my, my model that's not chibi and everything with textured hair. I don't have anything to to. Re- <laughs> okay, mm. what I did was uh to reference hair. I um I searched Pokemon. I really like Pokemon's art style, and mm-hmm. I searched like uh, sheep Pokemon because oh. they're very wooly. <laughs> I searched. Uh, <laughs> I looked up how people render characters that ha- that wear fur coats. I was like, "Ooh, let me see what that fur does, so I can uh, maybe apply that to hair or something." But I think there's already a precedent for like like uh, a lot of what we see in anime or vtubing it's been done before but i think the more we the more people try the more people just attempt even if it's not perfect it'll get better it'll get better it'll get better and then i honestly think this could have an effect that goes outside vtubing too yes absolutely absolutely yeah, this is a great talk. Oh my gosh, this is a great conversation. I like this is a great topic. That was by, the, fun. by the way, chat, like this topic came from Crow, by the way. So this is a thank you, Crow, for this topic. This is a fantastic topic to talk about. Like, oh my goodness, it's huge. Uh, I want to th- thank my, my friends as well for, for helping me out too, because like this this is my first time being on a uh, a talk show podcast type deal. So I ran a lot of my ideas by, by them. And then like I would say that um Actually, none of them were, uh, were 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 black, and then like um, I explained it to them, and then we just like exchanged ideas as well, and like I feel like that's a- another way too, just like just like having discussions about this with everyone in general. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, Thanks, when we talk Nick. about it, like it's that's definitely like that's my that's definitely the goal of my other show for me, like like talking about these topics. Um, and I'd like, like, it's hard topics. This is a very hard topic. And it's a topic that, like you mentioned, a lot of people just have no insight in, like, they just they have no idea that it's even a problem. So that's my goal with the show is to just like talk about it, 
get other people to talk about with me, people that agree with me, people that don't agree with me, like, and, and, and let's, let's have a conversation and educate people. And yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and you do a very good job. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we're, we're coming up to the end of the show. I don't see any questions from our audience. So um, yeah, thank you so much, uh, Crow, for, for coming on, on with us. Uh, it, this was a, this was a great show. It's our first, very first episode. Um, some ending remarks. Uh, the show is, a, is a podcast and it's going to go up on all major platforms in two weeks. Um, so if you'd like to hear it again, go ahead and do that. Otherwise it's also just going to be a VOD. So you can just watch it again. <laughs> Next time I'm live is going to be Saturday at 2 30 PM Pacific. I'm playing Ghostwire Tokyo. When the, when's the next time you're live, Crow? Oh, um, I'm live tomorrow, but I don't know where I'm going to be live. You can find out, oops, I'm advertising. Oops, you can oops, find oops out on oops, my oops, my Twitter. Oops. Oops. (laughs) For sure. Advertise away. Yes, yes. Um, Um. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Sweet deal. Yeah. So yeah, thank you, Crow, for uh, coming online with us. And you know what? Y'all were great, too. And thank you for tuning in. And I hope y'all have a lovely evening. All righty. Have a good night, y'all. Bye. Thank you so much. Good job, Chad. You guys were awesome, too.